0: You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast.
1: Good morning, good morning.
2: Hey, good morning.
0: Good morning.
1: All right. Everybody good? <laughs> yes, How oh, are you doing? I, was, I, I, was, I thought <laughs> you were going to say, I don't know, I thought... I was
0: waiting on you to stay. everybody all right?
1: Yeah, everybody like, all right? You good? <laughs> yeah, we're good. You good? Mm hmm. All right.
2: So I'm you, good. How are you?
1: So you cough? I'm good. It's good. We're all healthy mm-hmm. now. Simon we had a little battle the other week. Oh, that was before last week's, right? So we already talked about that. Mm. Our, our neighbors are all sick. We don't know what it is. So, yeah. <laughs> we're good. We're healthy. We're good. Today's our anniversary.
2: Happy anniversary. Thanks.
1: First time you said it to me today. <laughs> Girls started school back today. They went up to, they go to digital school now. If that is that what it's called? It's, yeah. Online school? Online
2: school, I guess. Yeah. Virtual school?
1: Yeah, virtual school, online school, which... They, they thought ahead.
2: they were going to be excited about it. So, you know, Jalen pops her head up in the video. She's like, hola, Aitana, saludando all of her friends. I mean, like, greeting all her friends. Yeah. <laughs> and... um. Uh, and then the teacher starts talking, mutes them, and she's like, okay, make sure you copy this down. You have five minutes, and Jalen's got to rush, and she's missing all the...
1: <laughs> Sweating. <laughs> and she's
2: stressed. I was like, don't worry. I'll take a snapshot of it. I'll take a picture, whatever. So then she finished, and then she had homework. I mean, classwork, and then she has homework, so she's not <clears throat> as enthusiastic about it. She, <laughs> last night, this morning, she said, Mom, I could not sleep because... Uh, I just kept waking up, So why? I don't know, maybe I'm excited or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A big let down, poor baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, such is life now. I think everybody has to kind of pull their end of the rope. And it's not something that everybody's used to doing, you know, used to having everything kind of made in the shade. And this is obviously requiring everybody to do their part. And a lot of parents are not internet savvy. Facebook savvy? Maybe, internet savvy, not at all. So like, Melinda's phone has been ringing off the hook with parents calling. That's why I don't give them my number, see? <laughs> <laughs> I don't give them my number. Yeah, don't oh, call me. I wanna me. be helpful, you know? Yeah, I wanna be helpful too, but not that, like that. <laughs> yeah, the call Melinda's trying to figure out how to get Zoom, and I mean, it's not hard, guys. Set up email accounts. Yeah, the lady didn't have an email account and didn't know how to start one, so. She called Melinda, and Melinda did all the work for her. Told her how to do it, and the lady got tired and got a headache <laughs> from all the work. <laughs> That Melinda did
2: she called me today for help honestly.
1: yeah yeah, it's good that you're able to help them I mean yeah we'll just leave it at that <laughs>
2: better you not me I mean
1: it, it is what it is you know God has a call for everybody what's for John wasn't for Peter and so yeah anyways we'll get back to today's stuff. so last week we talked about um some things to expect what to expect when you're expecting I'm just kidding what to expect um have you heard of the book Good.
0: I just laughed because I wanted to be part of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: I thought I did think. I said, "Why did he laugh?" <laughs> I did think. I said, "Why did he laugh?" You know.
2: That book freaked me out, man.
1: I don't. I don't read books like that because <laughs> it, it's you know, like it gives. You're gonna give me on, on a rant that has nothing <laughs> to do with missions, but it, like I get it. Like it's good information. It's, it's probably helped a lot of people, but everybody's not the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't expect, if you're expecting the thing that they're telling to expect. But it doesn't happen, now you're freaked out. Or vice versa. If something that's not on the list of expectations for why you're expecting, now you're freaked out. And like, I don't know. I just asked my mom. <laughs> she had two kids, you know. Ask my grandmother. She had
2: Well the the two thing with asking grandmothers is that they always have their grandma's, you know, tales or, you know, you know, you've heard me say things, well, my grandma said this and you're yeah. like, Well <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, but my my grandmother's not like yeah.
2: Like what? <laughs>
1: no, she's not like she's not gonna <laughs> give me like, hey, I my throat hurts. Here, put this cabbage in your ear. Like she's not gonna do that.
2: <laughs> <Not>.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying like that cabbage soup you girl
2: <laughs> Oh, her diet soup. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. She did have my brother um, put urine in his ear for All right, earache. Guys. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Poor boy. He was a baby. But so, yeah.
1: so he didn't put it in his ear. <laughs> my mom did. I don't even want to ask any more questions. <laughs> Anyways, I don't even know. back to Jesus. It's like when you get stung by a jellyfish in his ear. Someone's, anyways, all right, back to missions and Jesus. Um, so we talked about, I don't even know what you said. Get, <laughs> we, uh, so we, <laughs> we were talking about last week, uh, what to expect. Yeah, well, what to expect when you're expecting. That's how I started that conversation. Mm-hmm. My fault. What to expect when you're going to missions. Um, some general things. We mentioned several things that I can't even remember what they were. So we wanted to continue the conversation this week because I feel like there was more to talk about. And, um, yeah, so here we are. <laughs> Melinda and Simon stepped out <laughs> for a second. We'll just wait for them.
2: We specifically said, I specifically they got said, got the list and stuff. Simon, go first <laughs> okay. so there's not an awkward pause. <laughs> and they just both, they
1: both look at me. So you told Simon to go first so you look at me. <laughs> what in the world, man? So what's, what's something that people should expect Before going on the mission, or yeah, should think about expect whatever before going on the missions.
0: Yeah, so this one is um, maybe you you kind of expect it before going out anyway, but I think. There gets a point where, when you're on the mission field, this thing really, this hip thing hits you more than you maybe you thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what time frame. I don't think there's a particular time frame for it, or when a life event happens. But just the realization and the acknowledgement that life back home goes on without you when it you're does. not there. Mm-hmm. So your church continues to meet each Sunday. Your family go out for meals in the evenings. Your friends have birthdays. All those special events that you know you might not have missed before, because. Whether you've just done short-term mission or whether you've not been away before, you've always been back for those kind of events and those particular things. Um, but actually, when you when you go away and you're you're on the mission field longer, you start realizing, oh wait, you know people are carrying on with their lives as well. Um, you know, and I think for me, because you're always kind of aware of it, you you don't assume everyone's just sat at home like lamenting that I'm not there or anything like that. I'll be crying just counting down with A's till I return or whatnot. but um, I think for me it was like when a, when a friend of mine um, his wife became pregnant and normally that would be something he would phone me about like if I was in the UK that, that would have been a phone call situation as soon as they found out it would have been a phone call um, whereas this time I found out just via Facebook because they put it up on Facebook like oh, we're expecting this and you find out via Facebook and you're like oh okay you know people move on friendships are harder to keep in contact with people people just carry on with with normal life because you're not in their conversation each day you know you don't see them each day you're not speaking to them each day so all of a sudden you know people people start moving on you're like oh okay um you know and there's a two-way thing there you know i need to make more of an effort to keep up with other people and and vice versa but um yeah just the realization that you know lives do carry on back home without you being there
1: yeah yeah that it's that's a tough reality, because like you said, like, you know, you find out stuff via Facebook. And it's not that people don't care about you, mm. but it's just that you're out of sight and out of mind. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and it sounds harsh, and the, the, but it's just, it's the reality of it. They're not intentionally leaving you out, but you, you, you were not involved because you're not there. And I think uh, Jim Elliott was a missionary to, you know, anyways, you probably know his story. Um, you can Google him if you want to know more, but I'm not going to go off on his biography. Mm-hmm. But anyways, a missionary, Jim Elliott, uh, he, um, he said one, he has a, what is it called? A quote It says, wherever you are, be all there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a, I think when we come here or, where, you know, wherever, here is where you are, it's very, and this even goes from like, if you live, like I'm, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia, in my hometown, um, and the goal of most young people is to get out. So there's two different types of people, or three different types of people. People that, quote-unquote, get out, they think that's success, and people that stay. But, okay, there's two types of people that get out. I should say it like that. People that get out and never look back, and people that get out and they can't stop looking back. So they, you can have you can get out. Again, that's not the goal. It's a different topic for a different day. But just for an example, you can get out and go to Dallas, Texas, or London, England, doesn't really matter. And you have a golden opportunity, good job, or whatever, but they can't let go of what's going on, quote-unquote, back home and so they are miserable where they are because they're not focused on the beauty and the you know of where they are but they're so scared to miss out Mm -hmm. and that's a real thing that's a real issue man because you do it's exactly that you see life going on and stuff without you and you see people having you know like oh they're having a new year's eve party without. like for us it's like thanksgiving you know what i mean Mm -hmm. oh oh, you guys are still getting together for Thanksgiving? Like, you you legit, like, and and low-key want everybody's world to stop because you're not there. And it's not an intentional thing, but it's a subconscious, thought, natural thing that you want people to, I don't know, you want to, you want to be a part of everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying forget about your family and forget about your friends and don't, that's not what I'm saying. But understand, like, that you're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, life is going to go on. But at the same time, like, you have to let go of all that stuff, too. Because... You have to be where you are, and to be fully focused. You can't. You can't be fully focused on missions in Trinidad for us, and be so overly consumed and concerned with missing parties and stuff back in West Virginia or Philadelphia. Or uh, you're not from London. where Are you from West Sussex? West Sussex. I didn't know that. So you can't. You know, you can't. And it's a hard thing because it's like all I know is U.S. living. You know, twenty some years. And so, was it twenty six when I came here? 30, no I was younger than that 24 I don't know I was 24 we, I was 26 when we had when I became a father mm-hmm. yeah so it was 24 and we came here so 24 years I lived in the states and then to go to a place to where like that's all I know and then to go and just kind of like be here and be and focus on a place where I don't know where everything's different I don't speak the language I don't know and you're dealing with the cultural issues anyway language issues you don't understand so your natural tendency is to think back about like Where you came from, and you just stay in touch, and you're constantly texting and calling people, and like seeing. There's nothing wrong with that. Stay in touch by all means, but like you're way more involved and active and and emotionally invested—maybe is the right word—than what's going at home, than what's going on right around you. Mm -hmm. And that's where the phrase comes in: is wherever you are, be all there. And again, Mm -hmm. it's like, man, yes, they're living their life without me. Yes, I do miss the Thanksgiving food or that my mom's cook whatever. You know, at the party, every my uncle makes this every year or whatever. I miss that. But man, look at the opportunities that you have and realize that God has called you to where you are. And that, that doesn't mean God has necessarily called you to suffering, but he's called you to joy and peace where you are and enjoyment of the things that are around you. Exactly. And it's definitely a, a step or a jump of faith or whatever, because it's just a different thing. But just he's teaching you to trust in him and not in your relationships or your past or your culture or whatever. And just embrace what he's doing in the place that you are. And it's a um, I think if you could grasp that, the the, the good thing is if somebody, if you can grasp that before you go, I don't know a lot of people would go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the reality of that is it it seems harsh, but it's not. It
2: does, yeah.
1: It's beautiful making new friends, and it's great. Like, man, just learning a new culture, learning a new language, and, like...
2: Taking on new traditions. Yeah. You know.
1: it's, It's super hard. But it also realizes, like, that those things can somewhat become an idol because... I'm going on a tangent here, so I'll just (laughs) announce it. But if if your love for your culture and your home or whatever is what's stopping you from doing missions and you feel called to missions, then you have an idol. Mm. Mm. And your idol can be family. Mm. Your idol can be uh, your your country the flag and all this stuff like oh no your idol can be government your idol can be your school your comfort your money your church
2: education education is a big
1: one. Yeah. Oh, that, those things can be an idol now there there's wisdom right I'm not mm-hmm. saying that just because but if you feel called to missions and you're not doing it because those things then it's an idol and that's more reason for you to go mm-hmm. like get rid of your stuff because your stuff you don't have stuff stuff has you Get rid of your stuff. If, if anything that you have stops you from being obedient to where you feel God is calling you to be, you got to let it go. Rich young ruler. Like you see that, you know, and Jesus you have to do to follow you. Birds have nests. Foxes have holes. The son of man. Like you're saying this creepy stuff. Like it seems not creepy. I'm making it a creepy voice. Extreme. <laughs> it seems extreme, but he's making a point. It's like, man, you depend so much on the things that you have. Mm-hmm. This is about depending on me. Nothing else. So sell all that stuff, give it to the poor, whatever, give it all away. I want you to depend to depend on me. And homeboy, he's sad. He walks away sad. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, God does call people to missions. And we're just talking about missions. We're not saying he doesn't call anybody anywhere else. But we're talking about missions today, so I mm-hmm. just want to clarify that. But God, God will, has, called people, has called people to missions, but they can't let go of, but my cousin, but my aunt, but... Christmas, but this, but that, and whatever.
2: And if they're honest with themselves, they live sad. You know, they walk away from the call that God has for them sad. And so they're always living in this they're they're consistently living in this I wish I could go on missions. Oh, I wish I could do what you do, admiring us. And I'm like, We didn't do anything great, you know. This is something that you can make the decision to do to do too, if that is what you know you feel like God is telling you to do.
1: But that sad state is comfortable. Because you know. At least you know what to expect. With this, you don't know what to expect. And you can convince yourself that that's the right place to be. It's the children of Israel. We want to go back to Egypt. Like, it's that. And I'm not saying that you're enslaved when you're at home. That's not my point. But, like, leaving what God has for you. Anything God has for you is better than what you had. period. Mm -hmm. Even if it looks like suffering, even if it's a lifetime of getting beat and shipwrecked like Paul, what he has for you is better than what you were doing, period. Mm -hmm. So if God is calling you somewhere, you have to realize the reality of like, how important and how much better this is for me than my comfort, than Egypt. Like, mm-hmm. the, the promised land that he's taking you to, you, yeah, you're in the desert right now, but the promised land he's taking you to is so much better. And it's so much worth your time in the desert that, anyways, that you spent 40 years there because you your fault anyway. But it's so much better, it's worth all your time in the desert, you know what I mean, than going back to Egypt. And a lot of times, like, we just, we get so uncomfortable that we are, we get, it's so uncomfortable, and that's our biggest fear is discomfort especially Western culture, Americans, specifically specific, I can't speak for people, but I imagine it's similar. Mm-hmm. Kind of like twin cultures, more or <laughs> less, you know? And um, But that, our biggest fear is discomfort. Anything that's uncomfortable, that's why we don't work out. That's mm-hmm. why we have a problem with eating junk food. It's all comfortable. Mm-hmm. We, that's why we're a consumerist culture, because it, it's uncomfortable to go and work on something and try to make something happen other than sitting back and watching Netflix all day. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so we have the idol of comfort and our biggest fear is being uncomfortable. And so when it comes to this thing of stepping out and moving somewhere else to a foreign land where they don't have Walmarts there, like good grief, like, (laughs) no, they don't, you know, but like going into that, like that's uncomfortable for us. And so we shy away from it because we worship the God of comfort. And no, it's a big issue. It's a big Mm -hmm. issue.
2: I want to piggyback off of what Simon said, uh, as far as relationships go, um, I feel that as a a new missionary, I don't know if it's the case for everyone, but I assume it it could be, that relationships might get awkward um because people who who may have decided not to support you maybe a friend or family member somebody close that feel they should but decide not to um they they kind of start avoiding you and or yeah or like you write them they don't write back it's like i'm writing you because i genuinely want to know how you're doing i'm not going to write you and ask you for money or ask you for yeah uh to support what we're doing i just thought about you and i wanted to let you know i was praying for you or whatever however the conversation may go but um that's the reality is that people kind of will start ducking you (laughs) um, to get out of some kind of false obligation they feel they have
1: especially in the beginning after a few years people come back around they realize that you're not you know the monster that i don't know because you know they see you raising money and stuff and so when people it's very weird there's two, two different types of people that avoid you one is the people that are afraid that you're gonna ask them for money. Other people are, are people that you have tried to f- fundraise with them and they said no. Mm-hmm. And now they just don't wanna to talk to you anymore. And it's not a personal thing, you know. Again, it goes back to what we said last week, don't take it personal. Yeah. Cause it's not personal and so, yeah. It's a weird thing that happens. It's people don't wanna like duck in and dodge in you because they're terrified you're gonna beg them for money. Like, dude, like, this is, you know, like, we understand that God provides. This is an opportunity for you to participate in the Great Commission. Like, so if you don't wanna give, like, that's, I mean, it literally is on you. It, not, it doesn't mean everybody has to give to me, but if you, that's between you and God. I can't, you know, if I get mad at that, no, that's my issue. It's not your issue, but if you don't want to give, you know, different things, so. Yeah, so, um, I was trying to resume. Re, um, Circle back? No, resume it? What is it called? A, like, a, come on. Recap? Yeah, like, I was trying to recap that point. Um, I forgot what the original, what, basically yeah basically be where you are and understand that everybody else is going to be where they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know you, you can't have you can't you can't live in two countries you can't mm-hmm. you can't physically live in one and mentally be in, in two you can't you're not going to be but that, that's the thing that goes for missionaries as well I think a lot of times is we can live overseas and you can like you can feel you can want to do something you can see a need you can be passionate about it but if you can't let go of 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 missing stuff back home you'll never be around long enough mm. to do anything because every year you're going to be leaving for you know two years a year on two years off a year on two years off whatever what can you accomplish are you going to plan a church and be there a year and then leave for two years and come back like mm. you know like are we i mean what are you going to do and so i think a lot of people they diminish their work even the work that they feel called to do because it requires too much of a commitment to them and they, that commitment would mean them missing would mean them missing out on going back home every three months or six months or, you know, whatever. And, you know, there's balance, to t- there's self-care and stuff like that too, but I don't, this is the reality from, from and it sounds like, I we've just adjusted to it, and I think we've come through all these struggles and stuff, and so that's what, I'm coming from that point, not from an arrogant point of view, ar- arrogant perspective, but I, I have friends at home that I love and cherish dearly, but I don't need to go back to the United States to hang out with my friends. I have friends here. Like, doesn't make sense that I live in a place with 120,000 people. I live in a city with 120,000 people and I don't have any friends? Not one? I mean, you're the problem at that point. You know what I mean? like.
2: I think that that kind of points to uh, one of the things that I feel that we should be prepared for when we go into missions is to um, be uh, realize that you're in a different culture. Like you, we talked about last week, um, and that you're always going to stand out, and just because you stand out doesn't mean that you can't um, blend in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But then also, you don't want to be foolish and blend in completely that you're not yourself. I don't know. There's like a a, a little balance between um, realizing that I don't know. For Simon, I'm a blonde-haired white guy with blue eyes. I'm not. I would be foolish to try to become 100% Bolivian, mm-hmm. you know, and try to take on every single cultural thing they do because. That's just not who I am, yeah. but I am living in their culture, so I do have to, um, what is the word when you, like, go into another culture and you, there's a word for it. Yeah,
1: you adjust, you culturally, uh, integrate. Integrate, yeah, mm-hmm. you
2: integrate, you know, um, with them, because when you do that, then you st- you do feel part of it you you mm. do feel comfortable with making new friendships yeah. even though you're different because you've you kind of integrated with the culture so
0: yeah i think um so, so sunday afternoons myself and rudy go off um and we play football at one of the local pitches and it's basically just a you we book the pitch for a certain time so it's between like five and seven mm-hmm. and then anyone who wants to play can just turn up and then you make teams out of whoever's there and whatnot so you can like you can make a team beforehand and then go as a team and play that's fine or you can just turn up as an individual and then you'll join a team when you get there and play um and obviously like when i first went like you feel really on the outside Mm -hmm. of that group because you're like man i don't know anyone i don't fit in i don't look the same i don't speak the same language i don't play football the same way that was a big thing english football and bolivian football Completely different worlds, um, <laughs> like even the rules. Like some of the rules, even the rules. <laughs> they're just like, okay, that isn't a rule back home or in the UK. But okay, we're gonna do that here. Go for it, no problem. Okay, you can't pick, <laughs> you can't pick the ball up. <laughs> what is it? <that? laughs> yeah, in minute um, So you got all the things like that, and so you're like, man, I'm such an outsider here. But like now, obviously not now because we're in quarantine, but like before quarantine, I'd go with Rudy and things like that and a new person would rock up and I'd just look at him and be like, who's this new guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, not one of yeah, us. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, just you be need like, to see a your whole pair. Yeah, so I'm sitting there with the other guys and this new person walks in and we're all like, do you know him? I don't know him. He's not with me. <laughs> and so all of a sudden you're like, okay, like, I still don't, you know, my rules are still different to their rules. My, you know, the way I play football is still different to the way they play football. I still have blonde hair. I still have white skin. I still got blue eyes. But I feel part of that group. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Whereas before, it's like, okay, I was, you know, you felt like the outsider. Whereas now it's like, okay, none of that has changed. I'm, you know, I'm still all those things I was when I arrived, but I now feel part of this group. Yeah. And
2: And, and uh, it's, it's 100% your responsibility to Mm. put in the effort, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because we, you know, it is very possible to stay for two, three years, 10 years, whatever, and never learn the language never make a, a, a friend, um, mm. but but be involved in daily min- ministry. Like you would think, oh, that's impossible. No, it is possible. We've seen it. Mm. Um, but it's 100% your responsibility to put that effort in.
1: And there's, a, there, I think there's a prejudice that exists between cultures worldwide is to believe that the other culture, whatever that is, is a monolith. So you had like, you had a bad encounter with Bolivians. All Bolivians are thieves. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, all of them? Like, well all, like, uh, and like, I, a lot of people talk like that right mm-hmm. like a lot of westerners are like well bolivians do this bolivians do that or well, it's like all every single bolivian is the same they all think the same that's not true that's not true at all and like that's a damaging because you don't give people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and so it's a damaging train of thought and it's all, almost always what you know no most of the time i say it's a negative thing right oh uh, bolivians lie that's not Oh, americans don't lie like you just did when you said the Bolivians, like you know what I mean? It's not that's not a, a, a you know a thing that goes all the way through, and so
2: and so you already can't make friends because once a Bolivian or a native gets uh, learns that you're speaking about them like that, like we like uh, I think one of the cases here was that they overheard that Bolivians ask for money. Be careful because they're going to ask to borrow money. Or not, just ask for money, not return it, or whatever. And and you, they're
1: they're always asking for money. Always, that was what the, uh, a missionary said that at one point, I guess. And this story's been told. I mean, we've been told that story a gazillion times, and so it hurt. You know what I mean? That it. I mean, I've been racially profiled. It hurts to, be, and it it stinks, and it's not fair. It's 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 you know, it's ignorant, it's prejudice. Mm-hmm. It, there's, but it reveals more issues in you than it does them. But like, to, no one wants to be categorized with, you know, oh, Bolivians all ask for all of them? That's, you you can't say that a general statement about, you know what I mean, about any group of people that's not a gang or something, you know what I mean? Like, you can't make these general, like, sweeping statements about a whole society and culture that is true for everybody. It's not a monolith. Everybody's different, man. Personalities are different. There are cultural things, but, like, even with the, all Bolivians are Bolivian, yes, that's true. Bolivians speak Spanish, that's not even true. All Bolivians don't speak Spanish, you know, and so there's not really. You have to be very careful about making these wipe these, these um, sweeping statements, mm. yeah. you know, and throwing everybody in. Not necessarily as much because what the damage does of you saying it, but of you believing it. Mm. Is that when you say it, the damage it does inside of you? And not so now, the way that you operate has changed because you believe that every Bolivian is begging for money. Yeah. So now you're hiding your money. You don't want to. You don't pay for anything. You don't want to give to anybody because you think everybody's out to get your money, and that's like. That's just not true, yeah. you know.
2: I think, I think that happens a lot, especially with new missionaries, because you're immediately you walk in observant, right? So you're trying mm-hmm. to learn the culture, and so your first encounter with someone at the market and they rob your rob you of your cell phone, you're going to say, "Oh, believe in are thieves," and then like Ramon said, actually believe that, and it's just so it's so damaging. But
1: and we all do it, right? We all do it to different, like oh, this, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it would be very careful because. We are a people who live as if we're reconciled back to Christ, you know, and we we live as if we believe that all relationships will be reconciled back to him. And so regardless of culture, race, age, whatever, like we see people through the lens that God sees them through, you know, and yeah. and that's not we can't you can't be a supremacist and see people like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like
2: it definitely reveals your your issues to you. If, if you're that kind of person that that reflects on <laughs> on your own uh, weaknesses, you know, it will. It will pull out a lot of your um, insecurities, a lot of your prejudices and and your your characteristic flaws, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So what is an, what's another one? What's another thing that you wish? I see you have a long list there. Melinda? I have a
2: list, but I, I mean, I'm sure everyone else has a list. So.
1: Nope, I do not. Simon's all out. <laughs> Simon's list was extensive this <laughs> the opening comment that was that was yeah. my task yeah, the conversation started
2: i guess i would i would add that um not to give into the pressure of having to have a sexy ministry or sexy work um and by that i mean just that it it whatever you're telling people you're doing is like it needs to pull on their heartstrings so that they could respond in a way of giving or just yeah. want to want to be heavily involved in your ministry as well of course we want all of our partners to be personally involved in the ministry um but you don't ever want to have to invent things or exaggerate what you're doing lie it's just uh, it's lying. Lies a lie yeah. lie yeah or even um post inappropriate pictures of the people you're serving you know
1: uh, D- dignity is important you know very like-
2: important um, because it's easy to do that when when you were supposed to meet this amount this budget for the end of the month and you know as a new missionary here you are six months in and you're still just learning the culture and language you haven't even yet entered into what people will consider quote-unquote ministry worth supporting so they're like what are you doing you're wasting time yeah and so you just start taking pictures of homeless people on the street you know um oh, spoke to this guy and prayed with him and um
1: he doesn't have any teeth. Look, he's alcoholic for 17 years and cheated on his wife. Like, you know, that's yeah. not stuff that you want to be on Facebook or on a newsletter and stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, Just, I, go, ahead. Go, ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I thought you.
2: You know what happens when I rant. I forget no, what I want to say. Well,
1: <laughs> well, no. I mean, I think there are times. It's not always. Like, first, let me say this. Money is, is super necessary to do missions. We cannot yes. survive. You can't do missions without money. Mm. But there are some times. Yeah, and, and, and fundraising is a nonstop job you're always fundraising and you do have to share with people you do owe it to people to share yeah. details of what you know um, of what you're working on or whatever what they're so, you know because they're part of your mission or whatever but there comes times and, and there comes a time there comes different times i guess you can say and missions where you have to decide whether you want to reach people or you want to make money and because there are moments when you can't do both mm-hmm. and sometimes you become so much about reaching people I mean, I'm sorry, so much about making money, bringing money into fundraising, that it comes at the cost of the dignity of the people that you're trying to reach, mm. which that burns bridges, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's something, that's the, our best decision that we made in missions was in the very beginning, our first year, maybe even the very beginning, during the first year. We just made a decision, we're not going to, we're not going to prostitute people out for months, like. We're not going to manipulate stories. We're not going to make stuff up. We we make a lot of errors, as you know. We make he raises his eyebrows like, yeah. <laughs> we make a lot of errors and mistakes, you know, and we'll continue to do so unfortunately, because we just you know, we don't have it all together. But that's one thing we made a decision is we're not gonna sell people out. We're not gonna manipulate and lie and make up stories. And um some sometimes that's come to our detriment financially, but I I believe eternally and and with our um our um uh, what is it called? Equity with the people here. I feel like that it's mm. it's actually added to us by not you know being trustworthy and not selling mm. people's. Mm. I, I don't want I, I to. again, I understand that you have to tell stories and stuff like that, and but sometimes it's just we're the whole reason we're telling the is so somebody will feel sorry and give money, mm. and that's manipulative and that's wrong. And I think you need to probably pack it up and go home at that point, mm. you know. But that's something. And you will be challenged with it. You will be tempted yeah. to do that. You will be because again you see your you see your budget you know how much you need and you know what you want to do and you're passionate about it and so you're tempted to sell out the same people that you're trying to reach mm. to bring in money to reach those people but it, you see what I'm saying it goes against itself mm-hmm. and it's it's contradictory and so now you've burned all the bridges with the people you're trying to reach for money so that you can reach these people that you you know what I mean and so it it becomes and so then it just becomes about money at that point and I think that's a very easy thing for it to happen. It's very easy for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize it happening. But you have to be consciously, like, uh, constantly conscious of the fact that, of people's dignity. And um, what I want somebody to tell th- these private things about me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just ask people, like, hey, this is a great story. I want to be, can I, you know, you mind if I share it? And people may be like, don't tell my name or don't put my face or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or some people may say no, you know. But um, just have to be very, very careful about what your motives are and everything. Yeah. You know, and because again, it comes to the moment of your motive is you're only motivated to make money because you're missing budget. You need to pay whatever bills, or you're saving to go home, whatever the case may be. And the temptation is, it's like it. I mean, it's like the person who lives in the, in the inner city doesn't have any money, can't find a job for whatever reason, or has a job and it's not enough money, and he has a need, and he starts selling drugs. Selling drugs is wrong, thousand percent wrong, and it's damaging and it's destructive. Even though he has a legit reason to sell drugs, it's still wrong, right? He's, so he's chosen to do the right wrong thing for the right reason, and that doesn't exist. And so we do the same thing in missions, I think, a lot of times. It's the exact same thing is we're doing something that's damaging other people. We're selling them out, putting you know, uh, destroying their dignity or or not building up people who don't have dignity maybe in the first place so that we can make money because we have a greater cause. And there's, there's, there's no greater good in this. It's just we, we love people. We care about people. We want to lift people up. There is no greater good. There's not, there's not, it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. So if you building a ministry, um, if you want, if you have a huge ministry dream and it can be really effective and whatever, if it's going to come at the cost of people's dignity, then you just ain't, you just ain't going to do it. I mm-hmm. mean, you just don't need to, you drop it. Like, don't drop it, but like, just wait, wait, I'm going to pray, believe, do some other type of thing, but don't fall into that temptation of that. Cause it's, it is a temptation, you know, mm-hmm. see people, I mean, we, we could, and you know, you live here, so. We could take pictures of these kids all day mm. down the street with their hairs their hair is brown and blonde and stuff, not because of genetics, but because of mal- malnutrition. Mm. You could take pictures of it all day. Look, can you send $10 to help Barbara and blah, 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 you know, whatever. Mm. And like people would definitely do it, but that's, that's not what you're here for. You, you know, I mean? you're here to help Barbara, but you're not here to manipulate and sell Barbara so that she gets pity. You want to lift Barbara up and give her hope and give her a future and be able to, you know, not provide for her forever, but make her so she's able to provide for herself. And more importantly, depend on Jesus for everything she has, you know. Mm-hmm. And just um, having that constant uh, north, I guess, uh, like a compass, you know, like have yeah. your north or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, just maintaining, not losing what you're here for, not losing. Yeah. The goal is people. The goal is not fundraising. Yes, you do have to fundraise to reach people, but the goal is people. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, that's your um, core value. Your core value as a missionary is people. Mm. Period. Uh, first of all, obviously it's the gospel. I need to say that because somebody will listen and be like, "Well, you didn't say." But it's obviously the gospel. So if people calls you to stop saying, stop preaching the gospel, then you don't listen to people. That's not what. So definitely the gospel is the is the, is the goal. But I'm talking about in terms of like secondary things. The priority is people. So if you're fundraising. Or your good whatever project or good idea is coming at the cost of people and your relationships with them without forsaking the gospel, of course, then don't do it. Then it, that's not it can't be. So the priority always, always, always has to be people, even if you're lift, raising funds for good calls or you need this or you need that or whatever. You know, my God just supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And so we're not we. You have to, This it's a faith, just like all life is, it's a faith walk. And it really shows where your dependence is on too, right? Where My help comes from the Lord is what we say, but then we're out there helping ourselves at the sake of other people, you know, which makes it, it's a very, very damaging thing. And the closer that I've gotten to people here, um, the more stories come out. And I've learned so much about what not to do by listening to Bolivians, by listening to Bolivians till their perspective of uh, other encounters they've had with other missionaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, like stuff that I, I may have even done, but just without thinking about it, not intentionally. But I learned, I learned from that, you know, listening to the people and, and putting people first, man, mm-hmm. you yeah. always have to put people first above everything else, put people first. And um, so right. we should do all over the world. Right. Not just in missions, but right. again, we're telling missions. So,
2: I mean, you, you invest in, in loving people and, and, respecting them and getting to know them um i remember having uh like a struggle as far as like picture taking you know when is it a good time as a missionary to take this picture because we need to show people are visual they want to see where you are they want to see what you're doing they want to see the people you're reaching or helping or living amongst um and it's like when is the right time to take this picture? Yeah. You know, when when you're at an orphanage, never. Or I mean, it doesn't matter because well. you just have to blur the kid's face off. Mm-hmm. Out. But in, in everyday life, right? And and I feel that the more genuine love and concern and, and time you spend with people, the less they care. Mm. Because if but if you're always walking around with a camera and you pray with someone, take a picture of me praying they're always going to feel like it's some kind of um, exchange or some kind of transaction yeah but when you inv- invest that time in, in the very beginning and just being a decent Christian and loving people without conditions or ties or, or any expectation on their part and then and then later on they won't even mind if you take pictures Just yeah. Yeah.
1: show yourself trustworthy because yeah. that is the other part of it. You do have to take pictures, right? Because yeah. some people just aren't going to believe if they don't, see you know. Mm-hmm. But take pictures of what you're, what you're doing, not of something that you don't even do. There's so many, you've seen that. Look at this canal in this neighborhood, and you live in the gated community, but you're taking a picture of a terrible neighborhood to show the state of your city, mm-hmm. knowing that that's going to get, tug on people's heartstrings and get them to
0: give more money to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a manipulation game, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that but, is, it's like a, it's an unexpected pressure. Mm. of like it gets to the end of the month and you're like, Okay, <laughs> I need to write my monthly report or my monthly blog or whatever it is you do and when you go back through your phone and you're like, I have no photos <laughs> for this month <laughs> And you're like, What am I gonna what am I gonna do now? Um and so you have that pressure and then, you know, like not not very often, but I get comments back um when people read the blogs or things like that. They're always like, Why are you never any why are you never in any of your photos? I'm you're like, taking it. I'm the one that's taking <laughs> it. Like, I don't have a personal PA or yeah, a photographer yeah, yeah. that just follows me around taking photos of me every yeah. so It's like when I see an opportunity, you're like, oh, okay, I better get a photo of that. But yeah, even just to re- even trying to remember that um, you need to take a photo. And then like you're saying, like okay, when is now a good time to take photos or whatnot? So like the football ministry, for example, I, tr- I take my phone maybe once a month just so I can get a photo for that like, yeah. month or whatever. Because like I go... F- Three times, three times a week, every single week. I don't want my phone with me every single yeah, day, every right. single yeah. time that I go, because then I'm just thinking, like, okay, where's my phone? Yeah, where mm-hmm. do I leave it? Where do I put it? Yeah, is it gonna fall out of my pocket while I'm playing? Yeah, um, and so it's just like, oh, it's just easier if I leave it at home. But then when I leave it at home, I then can't take photos. Mm. And so you put in your monthly report, like, oh, we had 50 kids turn up. A, not everyone reads that far down the monthly report, and B, people just look at a number and go, eh. And whereas if they see a photo of like 50 yeah, kids absolutely. lined up. All of a sudden, they're like, "Whoa, you had those exactly." For ministry. Exactly, um,
1: and people need to know that you know they yeah. like they definitely again. It's a partnership, and that's what we say. You want to partner with me? That's literally what we're doing. Is a, it's a partnership, but it's it's just walking that line. I think motives are, are a big part, you know, because I don't know, I, and I, and like yeah, just showing yourself trustworthy so that you know it, it does open the door that you can tell stories more and stuff because people know that your motives are not. And then you also just being conscious about people's dignity, you know what I mean? Like, If you want to take a picture of somebody, man, if you have a kid, wipe their nose first. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. brush their hair over, the same thing you would do for your kids. I don't want people taking pictures of my kids with their hair all over the place and nose is running and, you know, vomit or whatever, dirt on their face. Like, so you can just wipe the kid's face off, you know, Mm -hmm. make them look presentable and like just, okay, how can I restore dignity to this picture instead of, Like, make, again, even though you're taking the picture for your supporters, make the picture about the person. How can I make this look good for them? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, how can I make them look good? I want people to, like, not feel pity when they look at this kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which I guess that's the whole temptation, right? It's like, well, that defeats the purpose of taking a picture.
2: Yeah, I've had, I've taken pictures of some kids and the parents will be like, can you send that to me? And I always feel like. Yes, I accomplished something great with this picture because yeah. the parent found pride in this. So my child looks great in that picture. I want it Yeah. 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 So so going on, um, talking a little bit more about you know picture taking and stuff, one thing I did not expect to have to do when we first came into missions was just everything, just so much. We had to, apart from... Uh, learning the language, learning the culture, preaching the gospel. It was learning how to write an effective newsletter, mm. learning how to take good pictures, because you can't take it on a flip. I'm not saying there's something wrong with a flip camera, but you have to know that this is this is 2020, mm. and your quality is important. And so you have to uh, learn how to take a good picture. You have to learn how to... Um, communicate you have to learn how to fundraise you have to learn how to stand in front of people and properly describe what it is that you do and where where you're going hmm. you know and and all of that was a challenge for for both for Ramon and I both you know um for me specifically I had to learn graphic design and Ramon had to learn video editing it, it's so much that you have to learn to do
1: for me learning to speak in front of people was was a big one I didn't like I didn't I, I still don't like it but it's just part of what, you know what I mean? It's become it's become normalized now. I mean, I speak in front of people every Sunday. Mm. Honestly, at this point, everywhere I go, I'm expected to, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to so if we go to some party or something, oh, Ramon, can you pray for? It? Like, now, you know, yeah. it still makes me, I don't know, it's not my comfort zone, mm. but it's not uncomfortable anymore either, you know what I mean? But just, yeah. just being ready to develop yourself, man. Yeah. Like, you're really going to have to, because if you want to be, if you want to reach people, I don't care how successful people in the states or whatever think you are, but if you want to be successful here, literally successful, regardless of what the numbers show or don't show or whatever, if you want to like you have to you have to work on yourself and really develop these different like those, those traits or whatever of approaching people and being like and you're using like I, like I don't meet a stranger anymore. You know mm-hmm. when we went to Reyes and whatever like I, but I just I've, I was not like that, man. I was super shy and whatever, but now like I've just, I've literally learned to be charismatic. Mm. And it's I'm not faking it because it's, I don't even think about it. I mean, you know this, You've, again, you travel with me and stuff. And I'm not faking it, I don't even think about it. It's just become a habit of like, hey, how's everybody doing? You good, blah, 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 you know? And you, you I'm, now I wanna be the person that brings comfort to a situation. When, in the beginning when I came, I was uncomfortable in every situation. So how am I gonna bring comfort comfort if I'm uncomfortable? Now I see it as an opportunity to bring comfort and, mm-hmm. and like reconciliation to different situations and stuff by, by speaking and mm-hmm. being being comfortable and giving that like warmness and whatever and taking advantage of my culture. African American culture is warmer and you know, whatever and taking advantage of that and, you know, like putting it to work when you're talking to groups of people and, and whatever. But it took a long time. You just, just got to work on it, you know. Like you said, mm-hmm. and you kind of do. I mean, you are, like you said, you are the photographer. You are the writer, the writer and the editor. The fundraiser for the, for the better, or for worse. <laughs> yeah. um, you're the fundraiser. You know. You're the. You know. You're you're the manager. You're the gospel preacher. You're the. You know. Whatever. You you do and just. I, I guess the lesson the missions is work. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's not. People have made jokes over the years about us being on long-term vacation. And I guess it's chuckle funny, but it's, it's really not funny. I've never worked so hard my entire life until I started until I became a missionary. Mm-hmm. And then when we started doing our own projects, that's when like, I mean, I never worked so hard in my, my, my life. And I love it, I'm not complaining at all. I love it, I wouldn't change it and I'm still here. So obviously, but it, it's hard work, you know, because there's so many things. And the mental part of it, man, the mental stress of it is, it's not stress. It's just, you, it, again, you're learning a new language. <laughs> <laughs> you're living in a different place, you're learning a culture, you know, you are learning to, like you said, video edit or take pictures and communicate with people. I mean, you're, you're learning a lot of things at once and it, you know, it's a lie. And so the mental weight of it, and then like, when you get to like, if you start a church or get in church leadership or whatever, now you're responsible for different leaders in the church. You're responsible for the direction of that. You're responsible, you feel responsible at least for people's spiritual well-being and them getting fed and stuff. And then for me, in my case, I have my own family but i'm also responsible feed my family as a you know i'm the man of the house provider whatever and so you you find yourself providing for all these people mm. and um it's it's a lot you know what i mean it's a lot and i just think be prepared to work but also brings me to my next point is just like uh take make sure you're taking care of yourself make sure you're taking time to do things of um make sure you take time i guess to not, not luxury that's not the word like le- leisure time definitely leisure time but don't over it's easy to overdo it Whoo! i work three hours a day Whoo! i need a, like you know that's not it's that's, that's quarantine hours <laughs> <laughs>
2: which is actually a very common thing in the missionary community because um depending on where you live it takes a lot longer to get some things done because you have to Absolutely. physically go into into a bank and wait in this long line to pay a bill you, you know
1: you it, you can literally it, it, it's possible it's not always likely but you can literally spend your whole day paying your electric bill yeah. your internet bill and your water bill yeah
2: oh and you can easily spend the whole week just trying to get your visa paperwork
1: done my months. license yeah, yeah to get my license yeah it, it took me two days
0: yeah. yeah like i had to take two days but, like off I mean, when we were trying to get my visa thing, it would it would literally have to block out a morning absolutely every week for yeah. like three months. Like nine o'clock until lunch. And like, you get there and say, oh, can you come back in an hour? And you're like, oh, great. Yeah.
2: So there are some, some situations, right, where it's like if you accomplish one thing a day, you did something big. But that shouldn't be your life. I accomplished yeah. the, the, the dishes problem. today. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go lay down. And that's
1: the problem. It becomes a lifestyle. And yeah. we yeah. start saying that. It's like, oh, here, if you accomplish one thing in a the day, then it's a lot. That can be true. But it's not always true. And then so we do adapt that. Well, if I just do, yeah, exactly. Well, I did the dishes today. Woo And, you, like, you've you mentally convinced yourself that you're, you know, more. So definitely, like, taking care of yourself, man. You're, um, like, ooh, there's a lake here. We can't go there now. Actually, that lake is, like, crystal clear and full of fish right now because yeah. nobody's been there so long. <laughs> um, I guess it was, it's a lake, so it's probably full of fish before. Anyways. Um, but just t- taking time to really enjoy yourself, whether it's watching movies on Netflix, just a-, a mental break, giving yourself that time. But like taking that time and take full advantage of it. But then, you know what I mean? Like when it's time to work, put put the work in, man. So you gotta be prepared to put the work in, but also understand that you're not a machine. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna get tired and you need to be taken care of, you're not invincible, you need to be taken care of your mental health, your emotional health and all those things too, And you know. I think it's important to find the balance in in that a work what's it called work fun balance or whatever it's called work leisure balance whatever yeah. um because it's it, a lot of times it's out of whack you know like you like you were saying you do one thing and it's ooh, oh i washed the dishes today you know oh, i did a devotional today whoo mm-hmm. oh we did that i made a video today whoo mm-hmm. up till tomorrow they come on man don't be lazy yeah. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's so much more you can get accomplished and stuff in the day but then there are other days when Whew, I got <laughs> the health certificate I needed for my license today. Like that's literally could take you a whole morning, literally yeah. for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, I think um, it is important to just be careful with, with how busy you make yourself feel because then you start to neglect church responsibilities. I'm too busy this week. Let's meet in three weeks, you know, and you're not doing anything. You just convinced yourself that you're so busy. Um, and then also, that can become a, a big decision, uh, a big, I guess, barrier into when you decide as a family when your time in missions is up, because you don't know how to work in the real world, so you're afraid to go back home or wherever you call home, because life as a missionary for you has just become accomplishing one thing a day, and that's it, because life on the missions was hard, like you. you like where mentioned earlier you start to believe yourself you start to believe your own lies so it's like um just being uh careful to to create and find a healthy balance between work and rest yeah because it's it's very easy to convince yourself that you're too busy yeah and you're not
1: yeah. i think i think i have one more um oh, yeah. is don't Fall into the trap of mistaking ministry growth for spiritual growth.
2: Mm, that's mm-hmm. good.
1: Because I think, man, your church can be booming, your ministry can be booming. We have, you know, three thousand kids come. I don't know what you know. The numbers grow every time with some of these stories. <laughs> Five thousand kids lifted their hands to give the, you know, whatever. That's great, and you can do that. Um, but just because your ministry's doing well, doesn't mean that you're getting closer to Jesus. And I think your personal time, personal time, when I'm talking about Bible studies with, with all the men, that's good and it's necessary. When I'm mm-hmm. talking about Sunday morning service and we're not even talking about, if you preach every Sunday, we're not talking about study time in that mm-hmm. sense. We're talking about personal time, you spending time with Jesus, you know, um, that is independent from your ministry success. That is a, it's a personal thing. And I think a lot of times the temptation is if your ministry's booming and things are going well, we convince ourselves or we believe what it, subconsciously, whatever, that we are close to jesus and we're growing in our in our relationship with jesus because we see our ministry grow and that's not always the case mm-hmm. it's not actually it's i mean it's never the case There's they're not i mean i guess they can be related in a, in a sense but they're not one's not to be mistaken for the other you know yeah. and you can't you can't think just because your ministry is doing well that you can't forget about jesus and working for jesus you know Oh, I'm doing it for Jesus. When's the last time you spent time with him, just in prayer, mm-hmm. just an in intimate time, like in worship and prayer and whatever. Like, it's very important times. And those are the times, that's because that's what's going to carry you, man. Because there's going to be times when you have, uh, you know, 80,000 people. And you, no, that's not a lot. There's going to be times when you have 80 people at your program. And there's gonna be a time when you have two people with your program. Yeah. And what keeps you stable and maintains you doing this, because what the tendency is, you had 80 people, now you have two people, ah, oh, panic. And then you start kind of selling short the gospel to get more people to come because now mm-hmm. your goal becomes getting back to 80 people. But what keeps you stable through all that is spending time with Jesus. Is having a, like a constant and a dependency and relationship with Jesus. And you know, um, when the 80 people are there, when the two people are there, I'm gonna preach Jesus and I want him to be the center of everything that I do and I'm trusting him to build his own church and build his own ministry. I know there was 80 people before, and definitely you can make some practical changes and stuff. You know, well, we, just, we changed it to midnight. We have our meetings at midnight now. Nobody comes, I don't know what it is. We're gonna trust that God builds his own church. All right, but like, you know what I mean? You probably need to move it to a more convenient time. But, um, so the stuff like that, but at the end of the day, man, like just really trusting in I think this is the constant, the thing that keeps you constant in that is your dependency on Jesus. And you can't be dependent on Jesus you're not dependent on Jesus, if you're not spending time in prayer and worship mm-hmm. and just really reflection and stuff on who he is and what he's done for you and why you're here. And it, it really that's what pulls all the, everything we've talked about. It pulls it all into perspective, all into perspective and just keeps him at the center of it and whatever. And I think that's a big, big error that a lot of people make is their ministries are growing and they're seeing ministry success. And I, again, our church was growing and stuff. So temptation is there to not like, go off in your corner and just spend time just really giving God glory and giving him credit, Mm -hmm. you know, for what he's done instead of just saying, Oh God, glory to God. But you really Mm -hmm. on the inside, like, man, I'm doing a good job. You know what I mean? Like, and and you may be doing a good job, but it's really glory to God Mm -hmm. still. It's like, you know, it's, it's his, it's his church. It's his project.
0: And kind of to link that in with what Melinda was saying, I think sometimes when your ministry starts growing and going that you then convince yourself, well now I'm too busy to spend personal time because you know, I now have 50 kids this Sunday that I have to prepare for. So I can't do my devotional this morning because I need to prepare for my yeah. ministry, which is booming. Yeah. And I think that's, a, that's an easy trap to fall into. Yeah.
1: And Jesus says to, what does he say? It's a Judas that wants to sell the perfume or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, the poor is always going to be with you. Yeah. Like, you spend time with me. Like, that's the that, that has to be the priority. Mm-hmm. And again, not to the point to where folks need your help and whatever. Oh, okay, I'm praying but like it's not saying that but it's like don't become that you cannot this the most fatal error that you can make is to become negligent in your relationship with Jesus your personal relationship Mm -hmm. because you can't convince yourself right like Mm. well I'm just I'll just my I studied for my lesson Mm -hmm. so you know uh," and you convince yourself that it's the same and it's not the same it's not the same man. you have to have to have to spend time with Jesus not for him he don't need him he doesn't need you to spend time with him it's for you you need, you, especially for what you're doing and what you're trying to do, you have to, have to, have to grow in your relationship with him and just really continue dependence on him. And it's again, it's a daily thing because every day you're tempted to, you very easily tempted to forget and be like, you know, like, just get away from it. You know what I mean? Get, mm-hmm. Like you said, I guess get too busy. But if you're too busy for Jesus, then I think you're in the wrong area. You know what I mean? And we, that's something we need to realize and something constant. And I think I wish someone would have told me that in the beginning. Cause there have been times where my relationship with Jesus has fallen off and like mm-hmm. my time with, like my personal time. I've always studied and, be, you know, that's not been the issue, but that's not the same. as like my personal time of just creating a dependence on him reflecting on wh- what, who he is in my life and what he's done for me. Like that's fallen off in the name of, like you said, busyness, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, eight o'clock, gotta do this, blah, blah, blah. And that does happen sometimes. You know, you gotta get up at five o'clock, go to the airport, whatever, but you figure it out, man. Go to the airport bathroom or whatever. I, I don't know, whatever you got to do, <laughs> like, but, just, you know, spend time with Jesus. And, and it doesn't have to be some big show or whatever, but making sure that you're just you're spending time and really reflecting and meditating on, on, on the word and what it says and, and what the center of your whole life is about, yeah. you know, and it brings stability. And whether it's in, your, in the middle of a pandemic or whether you're in the middle of a flourishing church or whatever, you know, because I think in the, when you're successful and things are going well, it pulls you down. Like, man, I couldn't do any of this without Jesus. Mm. Mm. I, all this that I, I feel like I'm doing, and I still need a savior. Like, mm. I'm, man, thank you, Jesus. It's all for you. And it puts in perspective. But then on the other days when you're like, I'm worthless and I'm nothing, it's like, wait, but Jesus died for me, you know? Mm. And so it's like really reflecting on him and preaching the gospel to yourself, man.
2: I think in, uh, in terms of uh, marriage as well, it's really that's key. That is key to always put keep Christ in the center of your ministry, of your your missions and, and in your marriage, you know, because you can both get so busy doing ministry stuff and you are, like, actually going in the opposite direction or pulling, your, pulling apart or one person is stressed and you don't have grace for the other person in your marriage or we've seen a lot of marriages fall apart on the mission field yeah. and it, it's disheartening, it's discouraging. Not discouraging because I feel like we are going to end up that way um but it opens your eyes and it makes you realize like you have to invest in your in your husband or in your wife in your children um and not be and and, and especially in your relationship with Christ because he's the one who keeps it all balanced for you you
1: know yeah and I think date night is good and stuff but for us date night is not realistic to have every week you know but it's, date night is not the solution. There's people that go on date nights every week and they're cheating on each other and whatever. So date night is not the be all end all. It's, you know, it's really having Jesus at the center and yeah. seeing your husband or your wife or your kids the way that Jesus sees them and, and re- remembering that you you freely, re- freely received his grace and his mercy and his love. So you should freely give his mercy and his grace and his love. You know? But that is another fruit of spending time with Jesus on the, on the, on the daily, you know, being yeah. mean, constantly reminded of who he is. And really humbling yourself, you know, much easier to humble yourself when you remember how much he did for you to even so that you can even exist, you know. And then you kind of you share that and you live that way to other people, starting with your family for sure. But even spreading out to the people in your community and stuff when they Mm -hmm. do things wrong and walking in love and grace to them. And, you know, is it starts with Jesus. And so you can do all the stuff in the world, all the cool stuff and whatever. But if you're not, man, if you're not taking care of yourself personally spiritually is more what I'm trying to say. Um, ah, yeah, that's a, that's a danger. It's a death trap, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, that's my spiel. You good? I <laughs> gave you a thumbs up. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what that means. <laughs> so, I don't know. You guys have anything else to add before we? Nope. I knew nope. you were going to say that. <laughs> I, just asked I the question. The thumbs up. <laughs> it's a formality just to ask the question. You good?
2: Yeah, I'm good. All right.
1: Well, I think, yeah, I think that wraps up our, we'll probably come back to this topic at some point in the future. Um, I'm sure we will. We've talked about it before, actually, these podcasts, but we haven't made it specific to to this.
2: Yeah, I feel like, sorry, (laughs) you said you're good? I'm like, yep, and I'm hopping in there. Um, One thing before we went on missions is that we were looking for material, books on things to expect in missions, and there wasn't much. I mean, it was, like, mainly focused on fundraising, Mm -hmm. fundraising. and that's pretty much it, right? I kind of yeah. All just missing anyhow. stories
1: and stuff, but stories—not anybody specifically. And I mean, the problem is, is that a lot of them, even the books that do say that, that have stuff like that, it—they were written in the '80s. There was no internet, there was mm-hmm. no Facetime, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just a different. Come '90s, it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great, but it's it's a different world we live in now. Yeah. And so the way that you do, do you live your life here now is way different. Than what you did in the, you weren't calling back home in the 1990s. You know what I mean? You go to missions in 1991. You're not, you know what I mean? Like you're not FaceTiming people and you know all that stuff. You know, so the world is way more connected now. So I think some of that stuff has changed. Not yeah. it's not saying that anyone's wrong. It's just that th- times have changed and technology has advanced so much that it allows us to to live live easier. Nah, I guess I can't say easier, but just differently and more. We have more access, I guess, uh, more accessibility now than than they did then. So I, I don't know, I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had regularly, every you know, yeah. in, in the missions community, because it changes, you know, some of the stuff That's changes.
2: True. yeah, but, but especially if, if I don't know, whoever's listening at, knows somebody that wants to go on missions, like, these are some, these are valuable lessons that we learn, and we live through, and we, um, you know, it's not just something we feel like you should know, it's something yeah. that we know that we've struggled with, we struggled this is with, almost yeah. something
1: that we've all struggled with, I think, and you've been here a year, and I'm pretty sure you've struggled with almost all of them mm-hmm. as well, Yeah, like, and so, yeah, definitely. It's our contribution to future missionaries. You're welcome. No.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or we'll wait well, on that. Yeah, Maybe we, just hope, the... we hope that it could help someone prepare for some of the things that are just, would otherwise just be unexpected, you
1: yeah. know. Yeah, we just need more, we need more missionaries, you know, more stable missionaries.
2: And more vulnerable missionaries. More vulnerable missionaries
1: you know. and people who are honest and sincere in their work. Like, you know, um. There's a lot of people that need to know Jesus, man. And they can know Jesus apart from, you know, um, apart from that. But, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to say. This is going to be long. I mean, this podcast is going to be long, but I'll say it anyways because it's important. Um, one more thing is, uh, and I'll finish with this if you don't have anything else, but you're not the hero. Mm-hmm. Like, we have these things. We talked about this a little bit last week, I think. But, we like, we pray these prayers and people will pray over us when you leave and i'll use bolivia as an example because we live here bolivia will never be the same and blah blah yes we believe that but at the same time be very careful with that of Mm -hmm. thinking that you because there's been people working here before before you Mm -hmm. there are native pastors who have been working here for 50 years and to think that you're going to go on a year term and you're going to do what they couldn't accomplish in 50 years is a little bit arrogant Mm -hmm. it's a little bit arrogant well jesus no 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 we're not talking about jesus we're talking about you and so it's like, it, just be very, very careful with that. And I guess having realistic expectations, and I don't mean being a pessimist, I mean being realistic, you know, and be realistic. And if God wants to blow the top off, then let God blow the top off, yeah. but don't, don't put the pressure on yourself hmm. and don't go in with that arrogant mentality thinking that true help is arrived. I remember as a kid, when I went on short term missions, uh, you know, we used to have that mentality as we were 14 years old and thinking that we've showed up and now the devil's mad and you know all this other stuff like and yeah. it's ridiculous and you
2: went and painted walls which is great it's great but it did it's, not it's, make the it's enemy it's mad excellent
1: you <laughs> know it's excellent that we're painting walls and that we're serving we're learning stuff but those mission trips are more for us than they were for the people mm-hmm. and so it's like instead of saying Bolivia will never be the same how about saying I will never be the same yeah and let me see what God is going to do through me in this time and develop me and and what how he's going to you know what he's going to reconcile inside of me to make to, for, for the sake of the gospel you That's know Good. and um so I just think yeah, I, that, that's a dangerous mentality to have. And I think a lot of people have it. And I think it comes from a good place. I, I'm not denying that by any means. I know it comes from a good place most of the time. It's just one, you want to see God move in, in, a, in a big way, in a quick way or whatever. But I realistically, if you love a place enough, you want to see God move, commit to stay there for 10 years. Like, that's just straight up. Like, if you want to see it all, you can be a part of it, six months, whatever, two, two, two days. You can be a part of what God is doing long term. But if you want to see God move in a place... You can't be selfish about it. Like, oh I'm gonna be there for a week. So I'm gonna pray that God'll move and it's never gonna be the same in a week in revival and we say all these other stuff. All this other stuff. Um but if you wanna see God move, commit to the place for ten years and let God move through you. He'll change you and he'll change the community through you, mm-hmm. you know. And so you know, you're not the hero. You're not gonna do something, you're not gonna reinvent reinvent the wheel and it's also just being mindful and respectful of the people that have been really digging in, you know. They've been up to their necks in, in, in missions or in ministry here for their whole lives. They've dedicated their lives and been sincere and genuine and love Jesus and God has used them. And you come in as a, you know, one year, 18 year old or whatever. It doesn't mean you're, you're, you're useless, but quite the contrary. You're very useful, but just having the expectations and the respect for other people around you of your, your mentality and your attitude, thinking that you're going to accomplish in a year what, when no one else has accomplished in, in 50 years of their work. Yeah. And it, you might. It's not impossible. You might. But just be careful with your attitude, mm-hmm. you know, your attitude and, and the level of belief that you have in yourself, you know. We don't need any heroes. We have a hero. Mm-hmm. Jesus is a hero. And he, the, the whole reason that we're able to do missions is because he died, he died for us and sent us on mission. It's literally only because of him. <laughs> right? Like, it's so, you know, we don't, we don't need any more heroes. We, one is enough. And I think that's something to keep in mind. Anyways, we good again? Yeah. Yep. That's my spiel. Anyways, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you, um, all your help and love and support. Thank you for praying for us. We're praying for you. And uh, I pray that this, this is the solution to this virus and stuff like that. So, anyways, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Provecho.